In this episode of the Living for Truth podcast, we enter into a new era of church history in our reading of Christianity Through the Centuries, A History of the Christian Church by Earl E. Carnes. This is a personal reading of this book, and we pick up our reading in chapter 24. Again, this is a new era in church history that we are surveying. It is titled, The Medieval Sunset and Modern Sunrise, 1305 to 1517. Chapter 24. Attempts at Internal Reform. The return to the scriptures did not begin with such leaders of the Reformation as Martin Luther and John Calvin. There were earlier attempts to halt the decline in papal prestige and power by reforms of various kinds. From 1305 to 1517, protest and attempt reform challenged the authority of the Roman Church. The corrupt, extravagant papacy that resided in France instead of in Rome, and the schism that resulted from the attempts to get the Pope to return to Rome, provided the impetuous, the, the impetus that led mystics, reformers such as Wycliffe, Huss, and Servanorla, the reform councils of the 14th century, and the biblical humanist to seek ways to bring about a revival within the Roman Catholic Church. Roman numeral 1. The Papacy in Decline, 1309-1439. Heading A. Failure of the Clergy. Between 1309 and 1439, the Roman Church sank to a new low in, in estimation of the laity. The hierarchical organization, with, with its demand for celibacy and absolute obedience to the Pope, and the feudalization of the Roman Church led to a decline in clerical morals. Celibacy was opposed both to the natural instincts of man and to the biblical statements in favor of the married state. Many priests took concubines or indulged in illicit love affairs with the women in their congregations. Some had the problem of caring for children that were born to these unions and gave more attention to that problem than they did to their clerical duties. Others, especially during the Renaissance, enjoyed luxurious living. Feudalism was still a problem because the dual allegiance to the Pope and the feudal lord created a division of interest in many cases. The clerical, or the cleric, often gave more attention to his secular responsibilities than he did to his spiritual responsibilities. Heading B. The Babylonian Captivity and the Great Schism the papacy itself lost the respect of the laity of the various areas under its control. The quote-unquote Babylonian captivity from 1309 to 77 and the Great Schism of 1378 to 1417, which must not be confused with the Schism of 1054, were the events responsible for the papacy's loss of prestige. The zenith of papal power was reached in the pontificate of Innocent III, but the papacy slid rapidly from the dizzy eminence of power after Boniface VIII was unsuccessful in his attempts to subjugate the rulers of England and France, who were supported by nationalism. Clement V, a Frenchman chosen as Pope by the Cardinals in 1305, was a weak man of doubtful morality. Soon, falling under the influence of the French king, he moved to France in 1305, from Rome and Avignon is in 1309. In the eyes of the people of Europe, 
This put the Pope under French control, even through Avignon, was not technically French territory. Except for a brief period between 1367 and 1370, the papal residence was maintained at Avignon until 1377 and was dominated by strong French kings. The godly mystic Catherine of Siena, 1347 through 80, strongly pressed Gregory the the eleventh, thirteen twenty nine to seventy eight, to return to Rome to restore order there and to begin prestige and to regain prestige for the papacy as an independent international authority. Early in thirteen seventy seven, he returned and ended the Babylonian captivity. When Gregory the eleventh died in the next year, the cardinals elected the man who became Urban the the sixth. Urban's bad temper and arrogant manner soon won him their enmity and they elected Clement the Seventh in 1378. Clement dutifully removed the capital to Avignon for the second time, thus beginning the Great Schism. Both men, elected by the same body of cardinals, claimed to be the legitimate pope and the true successor to Peter. This forced the people of Europe into a dilemma of papal allegiance. Northern Italy, most of Germany, Scandinavia, and England followed the Roman, the Roman pope. France, Spain, Scotland, and southern Italy gave allegiance to the Pope at Avignon. This schism continued until it was resolved early in the next century by the reforming councils. The captivity and the Great Schism strengthened the rising clamor for reform within the Roman Church. Heading C. The Papal Taxation Papal taxation to support two papal courts became one onerous burden to the people of Europe. People income, papal income was made up of income from the papal estates, tithes, which the faithful paid, enates, which was the payment of the first year's salary by a church official to the Pope, the right of purveyance by which churchmen and their constituents had to pay the Pope's traveling expenses while he was in the area, the right of spoil by which the personal property of the upper clergy went to the Pope upon their death, Peter's pence, which was paid annually by the laity in many lands, and the income from vac vacant offices, as well as numerous fees, the now powerful rulers of national states and the strong middle class that supported them resented the drain of wealth from the national treasury to the papal treasure. This was especially true of, this, of the rulers of England and France during the long period of the captivity in the 14th century. The English hated to pay money that they thought would only go to England's enemies, France, because the Pope's residence was in territory dominated by the French king. Heading D. The Rise of Nation-States A political factor that played an important part in the decline of papal influence in Europe was the rise of national states opposed to the idea of universal sovereignty. Inherent in the concept, concepts of the Holy Roman Empire and the Roman Catholic Church, king and middle class cooperated. The king, with his national army, gave security so that the middle class could carry on business safely, and the middle class in return gave money so that the king could run the state. The resulting strong centralized nation-state was strong enough to defy the pope's dicta and to try to make the church subject to national interest in Bohemia, France, and England. All this created a clamor for internal reform of the, of the papacy in the 14th and 15th centuries. Leaders soon came to the fore. The mystical, biblical, evangelical, and conclear reformers 
were the successors of the monastic reformers of the 12th and 13th century. Roman numeral 2. The Mystic. The recurrence of mysticism in eras when the, po- when the church lapses into formalism testifies to the desire of the human heart to have direct contact with God in the act of worship instead of passively participating in the cold formal acts of worship perform- perform- performed by the clergyman. The mystic desires direct contact with God by immediate intuition or contemplation. If the emphasis is on the union of the essence of the mystic with the essence of deity in the experience of ecstasy, which is the crown of mystical experience, then mysticism is philosophical. If the emphasis is on an emotional unction with deity by intuition, then mysticism is psychological. The main objective in either case is immediate apprehension of God in an external, extra-rational way as the mystic waits before him in a passive, receptive mood. Both types were to be found in the mysticism of the 14th century. Heading A. Causes for the Rise of Mysticism Scholasticism contributed to the rise of mysticism because it emphasized reason at the expense of man's emotional nature. Mysticism was a reaction against this rationalistic tendency. Movements emphasizing the subjective aspect of man's relation to God usually come as a reaction to movements that emphasize the intellectual aspect. In a similar manner, pietism was to follow the period of cold orthodoxy in the Lutheranism of the 17th century. Scholastic nominalism led to an emphasis on the individual as the source of reality and on experience as the way to gain knowledge. In this way, one wing of nominalistic scholastics turned to a mysticism as a way to gain knowledge of God, while other nominalists were emphasizing materialism and experiment. The movement was also one of protest and reaction against the troubled times and a corrupt church. Social and political upheaval in the 14th century was a common experience. The Black Death in 1348 to 1349 took away by painful death over one-third of the population in some urban areas. The Peasants' Revolt in 1381 in England was an evidence of social unrest associated with the ideas of Wycliffe. The Babylonian captivity and the Great Schism made many question their spiritual leadership and desire direct contact with God. Heading B. Outstanding Mystics The mystics of this era fall into two major groups, the Latin and the Teutonic mystics. The Latin mystics, having a more emotional outlook on life than the Teutons, emphasized mysticism as a personal emotion experience of Christ. Such an emphasis has had been true of Bernard of Clairvaux in the 12th century. He had emphasized a oneness of will and affection with God, rather than any oneness of essence. Most of the Teutonic mystics stressed a more philosophical approach to God, which in the case of Meister Eckert led to a kind of pantheism. Catherine of Siena represented Latin mystics and mysticism at its best. She firmly believed that God spoke to her in visions, and she always seemed to use these visions to good practical ends. It was she who fearlessly denounced clerical evils and who, in the name of God, was able in 1376 to persuade Gregory XI to return to Rome from Avignon, 
Her courage led her to oppose sin, even in the papacy. The mystical movement on Germany centered on the Dominican order. Mittmeister Eckhart, 1260-1327, was the Dominican who is usually credited with the founding of German mysticism. Before going to Cologne to preach, he studied at the University of Paris. Believing that only the divine was real, he taught that the aim of the Christian should be the union of the spirit with God by a fusion of the human essence with the divine essence during an ecstatic experience. He differentiated between the Godhead, which to him signified God in the absolute sense as the philosophical unity behind the universe, and God, who was the personal creator and ruler of the world. His aim was soul unity with the Godhead back of all, all creation. He is reputed to have said, quote, God must become I and I God, end quote. Eckhart's beliefs came so close to Neoplatonism that charges of pantheism were brought against him and his views were condemned as pantheistic in a papal bull issued after his death. It must be said that Eckhart also emphasized the need for Christian service as the fruit of mystical union with God. A group of Dominicans, known as the Friends of God, carried on the tradition of Eckhart's teaching. John Toller, 1300-61, more evangelical than his master, emphasized an inward experience of God as being much more vital to the soul's welfare than external ceremonies. He was associated with the Friends of God who made their headquarters in the Rhine Valley. Henrik Suso, circa 1295-1366, was the poet of the group and expressed mystical ideas similar to those of Eckhart in a poetical form. A banker named Ruhlman Merswin, 1307 to 82, was the good angel who provided a religious house where members of the group could take up residence. The little mystical volume entitled Theologia Germanica, or German Theology, is usually associated with this group. Luther found this book a a help in his struggle for salvation and had it issued in a German edition in 1516. It has, however, the same undertone of pantheism as found in the writings of Meister Eckhart. The movement in the Netherlands, known as Devotio, Moderna, or Brethren of the Common Life, which had its main center in Deventer, was a much more practical and certainly less pantheistic expression of lay mysticism than the Friends of God movement. John Rice Brock, 1293-1381, who had come under the influence of Eckhart's writings and who knew some of the friends of God, influenced the mystical movement in Holland. He helped Gerard Groot, 1340-84, to emphasize the New Testament and the development of the mystic experience, and Groot became the leader of the Brethren of the Common Life at Deventer. Groot inspired his dis- disciple, Florentius Raidwinch, in 1350 to 1400, to open a house of the Brethren of the Common Life at Winsterheim. The order consisted of laymen who lived under a rule in community and devoted their lives to teach and other practical services rather than to passive to the passive experience of God that had been emphasized by Meister Eckhart. Both groups emphasized the education of young people and built large and excellent schools. Other houses of the group were founded all over the Netherlands. The Imitation of Christ, a book titled, has contribu- contributed more than anything else to the last 
lasting reputation of the brethren of the common life. This book is associated with the name of Thomas A. Kempis, 1380-1471, or, as he was known then, Thomas Hemerken of Kempen. Educated in Deventure, under the kindly eye of Regwins, he entered the Augustinian monastery near Zwoll. He was most likely the writer of The Imitation of Christ. This work reflects the more practical emphasis of the brethren. It does not stop with mere negative renunciation of the world, but asserts the need of a positive life for Christ and service for him in humble practical ways. Heading C. Consequences of the Rise of Mysticism The Mystical Movement the classical form of Roman Catholic piety developed as a reaction against formal and mechanical sacerdotal ritual and dry scholasticism in the church of the day. It reflected the perennial tendency toward the subjective aspect of Christianity, which always occurs when too much emphasis is laid on outward acts in Christian worship. In that sense, mysticism may be thought of as anticipating the more personal approach that was such an outstanding characteristic of the Reformation. Tendencies to substitute a subjective inner authority for the Bible and to minimize doctrine were some of the dangers in such a movement. In, the, in its excesses, there was danger of its being so pacifistic that its adherents would become introspective and antisocial. In Eckhart's case, it also led philosophically to a kind of pantheism that identified God with his creation and creatures. Roman numeral three forerunners of the Reformation. The mystics had attempted to personalize religion, but biblical and nationalistic reformers such as Wycliffe, Huss, and Savonarola were more interested, more interested in an attempt to return to the idea of the church presented in the New Testament. Wycliffe and Huss were able to capitalize on nationalistic anti-papal sentiment during the period of the Babylonian captivity when the Pope was resident in Avignon. Heading A. John Wycliffe, circa 1329-1384. The English people resented sending money to a pope in Avignon who was under pressure from England's enemy, the French king. This nationalistic feeling was argumented by royal and middle-class resentment over the money lost to the English treasury and to the service of the English state by papal taxation. The statute of provisors in 1351 banned appointment by the Pope of clergymen to offices in the Roman Church in England. The Statute of Premonure of 1353 forbade the practice of taking cases concerning clergymen out of English courts for trial in the papal court in Rome. Payment of the annual tribute of 1,000 marks, which had been begun by John, also was st stopped by the Parliament in, the, in this period. It was in this era of nationalistic reaction against ecclesiasticism that Wycliffe appeared on the scene. Aided by the powerful John the Gaunt, John of Gaunt, Wycliffe was able to defy the Pope. Wycliffe studied and taught at Oxford for the greater part of his life. Until 1378, he wanted to reform the Roman Church by the elimination of immoral clergymen and by stripping it of property, which he felt was a root of corruption. In a work entitled Of Civil Dominion in 1376, he asserted a moral basis for ecclesiastical leadership. God gave the use of possession of property, but not the ownership. 
to church leaders as a trust to be used for His glory. Failure on the part of ecclesiastics to fulfill their proper functions was a sufficient reason for the civil authority to take the property from them and to give it to someone who would serve God acceptably. This view suited the nobles who were happy to seize the property of the Roman church. They and John of Gaunt championed Wycliffe so that the church in Rome, so the church of Rome did not dare to touch him. Wycliffe, disgusted with the captivity and schism, was not satisfied with this more negative approach, and after 1379, he began to oppose the dogma of the Roman Church with revolutionary ideas. He attacked the authority of the Pope in 1379 by insisting in writing that Christ and not the Pope was the head of the Church. Amen. He asserted that the Bible insisted of the Church was the sole authority for the believer, and that the church should model itself after the pattern of the New Testament. To support these beliefs, Wycliffe made the Bible available to the people in their own tongue, and by 1382, the first complete manuscript translation into English of the New Testament was finished. Nicholas of Hereford completed the translation of most of the Old Testament into English in 1384. Thus, for the first time, Englishmen were able to read the whole Bible in their own tongue. Wycliffe, went still further by, 18, by, excuse me, by 1382 in opposing the dogma of trans, transubstantiation. Whereas the Roman church believed that the substance or essence of the elements changed while the outward form remained the same, Wycliffe argued that the substance of the elements was indestructible and that Christ was spiritually present in the sacrament and was apprehended by faith. If adopted, Wycliffe's view would mean that the priest could no longer withhold salvation from one by withholding the body and blood of Christ in the communion. Wycliffe's views were condemned in London in 1382, and he was forced to retire to his rectory at Lutterworth. He had made provision for the continued dissemination of his ideas, however, by founding a group of lay preachers, the Lollards, who preached his ideas all over England, until the Roman Church, by forcing the statute de heretico cambrorendo through the Parliament in 1401, made the death penalty the punishment for preaching Lollard ideas. Wycliffe's accomplishments were influential in paving the way for subsequent reformation in, the, in England. He gave the English their first Bible in the vernacular and created the Lollard group to proclaim the evangelical ideas all over England among the common people. His teachings of equality in the church were applied to economic life by the peasants and contributed to the peasants' revolt in 1381. Bohemian students studying in England carried his ideas to Bohemia, where they became the foundation for the teaching of John Huss. There were still lawlers in England during the early Anglican Reformation. Heading B. John Huss. 1373 to 1415. When Richard II of England married Anne of Bohemia, students from that land came to England to study. When they returned to Bohemia, they carried Wycliffe's ideas back with them. John Huss, pastor of the Bethlehem Chapel from 1402 to 1414, who had studied in the University of Prague, later taught in it, and he became its rector in about 1409, read and adopted the ideas of Wycliffe. His preaching of, of these ideas coincided with the rise of Bohemian national feeling against the control of Bohemia by the Holy Roman Empire. 
Huss proposed to reform the church in Bohemia along lines similar to those proclaimed by Wycliffe. His views exposed him to papal enmity, and he was ordered to go to the Council of Constance under a safe conduct from the emperor. But the safe conduct was not honored. Both his wife, both his and Wycliffe's views were condemned there. After Huss refused to recant, he was burned at the stake by order of the council. But his book, De Ecclesia, 1413, lived on. Persecutors may destroy men's bodies, but they cannot destroy ideas, and the ideas of Huss were spread by his followers. His more radical followers, known as the Taborites, rejected all in, in the faith and practice of the Roman Church that could not be found in Scripture. The Eutychrists, or Eutychrists, took the position that only that which the Bible actually forbade should be eliminated and that the laity should receive both bread and wine in the Mass. Some of the Taborite group formed what it was known as the Unitas, Fratrum, or United Brethren, or Bohemian Brethren, about 1415. It was from this group that the Moravian Church, which still exists, developed later in Germany. The Moravian Church became, at a later date, one of the most missionary-minded churches in the history of Christianity. John Amos Cominius, 1592-1670, the progressive evangelical educator, was one of the brethren. He wrote the great didactic on education. Huss may be said to have indirectly influenced Wesley because it was the Moravians who helped to lead Wesley to the light in London. The teachings and example of Huss were an inspiration to Luther as he faced similar problems in Germany in his day. Heading C. Savonarola. 1452 98. Wycliffe and Huss were branded as heretics who made the Bible the first standard of authority, but Savonarola was more interested in reform within the church at Florence. Becoming a Dominican monk in 1474, he was assigned to Florence in 1490. He tried to reform both state and church in the city, but his preaching against the evil life of the Pope resulted in his death by hanging. He never took the, the more advanced position of Wycliffe and Huss held, but he did demand reform in the church. All these men anticipated the spirit and work of the reformers to such an extent that Wycliffe, as the outstanding exponent of Reformation measures, has often been called the morning star of the Reformation. Roman numeral 4. The Reforming Councils, 1409-49. to Leaders of the councils of the 14th century sought reform by making church leadership represent the laity. Councils made up of representatives of the people of the Roman Church were to eliminate corrupt church leaders. The councils did not emphasize the scriptures to the extent that Huss and Wycliffe did, nor did they seek reform by the subjective religious expression favored by the mystics. The need for, of reform within the Roman Church became clear with the development of the Great Schism in 1378. In that year, Urban VI and Clement VII each claimed to be the legitimate successor to Peter. Since the countries of Europe had to choose whom they would follow, Europe became split ecclesiastically as well as politically. 
both men had been chosen by the College of Cardinals, who was to who was decide their to decide their claims. Leading theologians of the University of Paris opposed that a council of the Roman Catholic Church should decide the matter. They used the precedent of the ecumenical councils from 325 to 451. A council representative of all the church seemed to be the best solution, because neither pope would abjugate nor accept the decision of the arbiters. Justification for a council's deposing a pope was not wanting, Dante, in his Of Monarchy, written after 1311, insisted that the state, as well as the church, was the, an arm of God. Both were given by God. The emperor was to secure man's happiness here, and the pope to lead them to heaven. Neither was to, su- to seek supremacy over the other. Most important of all rationalizations of conclear, conciliar form, reform was set forth in the book Defensor Pacis 1324 by Marsalis of Poitiers, 1275-1342, through 1342, and John of Jundin. In, these, in this work, they supported Louis of Bavaria against the Pope. The book destroyed the idea of an absolute hierarchy in either the Church or the State. Marilius believed that the people in the State and Christians in the Church were the repository of sovereignty, and that they could... There, through representative bodies elected the emperor and the pope, but that the emperor was above the pope. The church in a general council guided by the New Testament alone could proclaim dogma and appoint its officials. The church council and not the pope was thus the highest authority in the church, and it should act for the good of the whole body of Christians. If Marcellus's view had been victorious, the Roman Catholic Church would have been transformed into a constitutional monarchy led by a pope appointed by a council, and the absolute papacy of the medieval church would have disappeared. But this view was not to triumph permanently, though the councils did some good in the other areas. The council was called to end the schism in the leadership of the Roman Church, to reform that church from within, and to put down heresy. It might also put into practice a theory of government along the lines laid down by Marsilius. Heading A. The Council of Pisa. When the Council of Pisa met in the spring of 1409, Benedict XIII was safely in control of Avignon, and Gregory XI held the papal chair in Rome. The council, which was called by the cardinals, at once stated that the cardinals had the authority to call it, and that it was competent even to call the popes to account for the great schism. It deposed both Benedict XIII and Gregory XI, and appointed the man who became Alexander V as the rightful pope. But the other two popes refused to recognize the decision of the council, and now there were three popes instead of two. When Alexander V died in 1410, he was succeeded by John XXIII. Heading B. The Council of Constance, 1414-1418. The Council of Constance was then called by Sigismund, the Emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, and John XXIII, to end the Great Schism, end heresy, and reform the Church in the quote-unquote head and members. This council was called because of the precedent set by Constantine when he called the Council of Nicaea in 325. Over 350 high officials of the hierarchy met. In order to frustrate John's attempt to control the council through the use of the majority vote, which would have permitted his Italian followers to dominate the decisions of the councils, the council, 
the members of the council agreed to vote as national groups of clergymen. Each national group was allotted one vote, and a unanimous vote of the five nations represented as was necessary for binding action by the council. The council declared its legality and its right to supreme authority in the church. This decree of the council was substituted, substituted conciliar control of the Church of Rome for papal absolution was given to the title the Sacrosonct. Presently, Gregory the Eleventh resigned, and after much negotiation, both Benedict the Thirteenth and John the Twenty Third were deposed by 1415. Martin V was then elected by the council as the new pope. The council thus took the power of electing a pope from the College of Cardinals. The council also resulted with the problem of heresy by con- the council also dealt with the problem of heresy by condemning the ideas of Wycliffe and by burning Huss at the stake in spite of the emperor's promise of safe conduct. It then went on to discuss the problems of reform, schism, and heresy. A decree of the council called Frequence provided for the meeting of general councils at stated times in the future as a technique to keep order in the Roman church. One was to be held five years after the close of the Council of Constance, a second after another seven years, and thereafter councils were to convene every once every decade to deal with problems of schism, heresy, and reform. Heading C. The Councils of Basel and Ferrara, or a.k.a. Florence, 1431-1449. through 1449. The unrest in Bohemia after the martyrdom of Huss and the need of continued reform brought about the Council of Basel in 1431. The council dragged on until 1449, but the strength of the reforming movement was matched by a resurgence of papal power. Eugenius the Fourth, the Pope at the time, was deposed by the council in 1439, just one year after the rival council, which he had called, met at Ferrara. Because of the plague, the rival council was moved to Florence in 1439, and the Council of Florence made an unsuccessful attempt to reunite the Greek and Roman Catholic Church, uh, Greek and Roman Catholic churches. It was this council that declared the seven sacraments to be accepted by the Roman Church. This was promulgated by Eugenius IV in a papal bull in 1439. The Council of Basel acknowledged defeat by dissolving itself in 1449. Thus, the attempt to create a constitutional monarchy in the Roman Church came to an end, and the papacy reverted to the system of papal despotism despotism that it had followed for so many centuries. Pius II, in a papal bull entitled Execrabilis, issued in 1460, condemned any appeals to future general councils. But the French clergy concurred with the French ruler in the proclamation of the pragmatic sanction of the Burgess in 1438, which made the French church independent of the Pope, but which in turn put it under power of the state. Although the reforming council had failed in its attempt to set up a constitutional monarchy in the Roman church, it saved the church from the disorder of the Great Schism. The lack of success in securing effective reform destroyed the last chance of, the, of reform of the Roman Catholic Church from within the, by the mystics, reformers, or councils. From this time 
From this time, the Protestant Reformation became inevitable. <laughs>